G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. This podcast is made available by Vision Christian Media, thanks to the generosity of our supporters. Your donation today means great podcasts like this remain available to help people look to God daily. Please make your donation today at vision.org.au. All right, Jeff, I heard you. How do I do it? How do I restructure it? I'm glad you asked. Hello and welcome to Today with Jeff Vines. Today we continue moving toward the light. Pastor Jeff has outlined the importance of living our lives for Christ and coming up we'll hear how to make the changes that are needed in order to restructure. Restructuring means that you're willing to do things differently than you have in the past so that you won't keep failing, taking two steps forward and three steps back when it comes to killing the sin in your life, so that you won't keep fighting the same habit, the same thing and making no progress. This is Today with Jeff Vines and we continue moving toward the light. I want you to go to your Bible now. I want you to take a pencil out. I'm going to slow down a bit here. Take a pencil. I want you to circle these words. This is one of the most intense Bible studies that I ever participated in, and it's one of those passages that literally changed your senior pastor's life long before he got here. And I want to share it with you. I want you to read the passage. I'm going to read it, and then I want to define some words. Here is the manner in which you restructure your life in order that you can achieve the objective. Verse two, do not be conformed or do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now take a pencil and I want you to circle the first word conform, circle it, and out in the margin, the Greek word translated conformed is the word suskomatizo. Don't write that down, don't worry. You write the word masquerade. The word in the Greek means masquerade. And masquerade, or suskomatizo, means this. That you, listen, that you are assuming an outward expression that does not conform to the inward change. Let me say it again. You're assuming an outward expression that does not reflect what is truly inside. Now, here's how I want to express this. When, uh, I think I've told this before, but again, I don't care because uh, if you've never heard it, you need to hear it. And if you've heard it once, you need to hear it again uh, for the application. But when I was in Bible college, a friend and I, we used to sneak down to Mount Carmel Baptist Church, downtown Knoxville, Tennessee, to hear Pastor Leroy Brown. Pastor Lee, that's his name, an all African-American church. And we were the only non-African-Americans in the place. And we were always treated with extreme kindness We'd take our seat by the ushers. The ushers would march us right up front. He thought, man, if you're going to be here, you're going to see what we do. And he'd bring us up to the front. We'd get to sit right up there, just two rows behind the elders. Pastor Leroy Brown was a brilliant communicator. That guy just had insight that I never got anywhere else. And I loved to go down there. So we go down there. Pastor Leroy Brown, this one message I'll never forget. He was preaching about spiritual growth. 
And right early in the message, because you know in the African-American churches, there's this build up to a crescendo. I mean, it's a great experience. And Pastor Leroy came out. He was all of five feet, two inches tall. Little Pastor Leroy Brown came out, brilliant man. And he said, right up the get-go in the middle of the sermon, or the first part of the sermon, he said, I want to tell you guys right now, you don't want to be the Capitella. My friend down and I looked at each other and said, what's a Capitella? And everybody else said, amen, brother. And we said, what? So he goes halfway through the message. He said, I done told you once. I'm going to tell you a second time. You don't want to be the Capitilla. And Dell and I looked at each other and said, what is a Capitilla? What? What? Because we loved the sermon, but we couldn't understand it. And remember, the sermon was about spiritual growth. Finally, he got to the end of the message when the crescendo and the organ was playing. And Pastor Leroy Brown said, I told you once. I told you twice. I'm going to tell you a third time. You don't want to be the Capitilla. You want to be the butterfly. <laughs> My friend Dale Kroll and I looked at each other. We thought, he meant caterpillar. <laughs> of course, we're all laughing. And everybody around us was not laughing. They look at us, what are you laughing about? <laughs> and we just kind of hushed. Now, all right, so he missed the word. We've all done that as pastors. But the sermon was brilliant. Because here's what he was talking about. That the real us inside, when we're changed by the power of the Spirit... We're really a butterfly. We just look like a caterpillar. We're waiting to morph, metamorphosis, till we have an outward expression that reflects who we truly are on the inside. You say, well, that's crazy. Is it? The Apostle Paul in Romans 7 says this, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. And here's that statement, verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is the sin living in me. For years, I read that passage. I thought, man, Paul's schizophrenic. He thinks he's two people, but that's not what he's saying. He's saying this. It's a beautiful analogy, a beautiful illustration. And here's my best imitation here, my best writing of a stick man. So this is Paul and he's happy. And here we go. Paul is saying that the new me, the real me on the inside has been changed by the power of the spirit of God, that I desire to do the good. I feel guilt when I fail. I desire, I have a passion to do and to be all that I really am on the inside because of the transformations of the spirit. But he says, the problem with me is I'm incarcerated in the flesh. There's something on the outside that does not express the true change in my life. Inside, I'm a new man, but on the outside, I'm incarcerated and blocked by this flesh that wants to do other things. And, and Paul says, what is my hope? What is his answer? And I think he answers that in detail later on in Romans chapter 12, when he says the answer then is metamorphosis. He says, be transformed. It's an imperative. And guess what the Greek word is? Metamorphosis. Go through the change so that your outward appearance begins to express what you are truly inside. But then I'd say to Paul, hey, Paul, that sounds good in theory. How? How? And he says, by the renewing of your mind, that metamorphosis will take you from the caterpillar to the butterfly when you start to renew your mind. And he says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now look up and follow me. Restructuring means that you're willing to do things differently than you have in the past so that you won't keep failing, taking two steps forward and three steps back when it comes to killing the sin in your life, so that you won't keep fighting the same habit, the same thing and making no progress. You think it's gonna happen incidentally and magically by the overwhelming power of the Spirit. Paul says, no, it happens when you stop being conformed to the world, that you be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How? 
Folks, I'm your pastor. And I can tell you, even though I love to study this passage, that I struggle with restructuring my life. It's a daily practice. But I can tell you there's a direct correlation with my ability to minister well and my discipline to restructure my life for success. Now, here's what I want to do. I wanted to be real practical with you. We've got a few minutes left. I want to show you a good day in the life of Pastor Jeff and a bad day in the life of Pastor Jeff. You know I have them, don't you? <laughs> and I want you to see the difference. It is the key to restructuring and what I believe the Apostle Paul means when he says to renew your mind. Here's a good day. It begins when I get to the office. I've had my coffee, so my heart's racing. But I close the door behind me, I turn all the lights off, and there's a little lamp in the corner. And I turn that lamp on, and I sit on the sofa. And no matter what's going on around me, I just pause. And I ask God to speak to me. And then I grab for my little devotional book by Charles Swindoll on the life of David. Because I just love David's life. Swindoll talks a lot about how David was learning to king it when he was in taking care of the sheep. That what I do in private when nobody is around will ensure how effective I am in public. And so I go for that and I read it. After I read it, whatever I read, then I have a time of reflection. And I ask myself two questions. Number one, where does my life fail to match up with David's life? And two, what area in my life is not good and when I ask the Holy Spirit those questions, it is amazing how much or how willing he is to speak to me, either through the power of his spirit in my life and illumination or through another passage of scripture that I will read during my quiet time. I've also added three questions to that recently because our executive pastor, Dana Erickson, has challenged me to add these, so I have, and they're on my lampshade. Number one, is my heart moving toward God? Number two, is my character fully submitted to God? And number three, are my ears open to hearing God? Now, let me tell you, when I start my day like that, let me tell you the result. I have an incredible awareness all day that God is with me. All day I know he's right by my side. And because of that, it's amazing how I respond to difficulties in a godly manner. It's amazing how I refuse to watch television or any program on there, even for a second, that is not appropriate. It's amazing how I won't look at anything I shouldn't look at, how I'm not tempted the way I am normally tempted. It is amazing how the Spirit gives me wisdom at the right time when I need it during the day to respond to somebody who may not be loving. Let me tell you the other results. When I get home, I have this incredible urge to kiss my wife, tell her she's beautiful. I think about how blessed I am. And I go into my daughter's bedroom where I keep a Bible and I don't interrupt whatever she's doing. She just keeps doing, but I sit there and I have another devotion time and I pray for my daughter for protection for the man who will marry my daughter. Cause he's going to need protection <laughs> and for God's hand to be on her life. Now I don't interrupt her, but she sees her daddy over there in that corner doing that. She knows that that's what dad does. That's what I do. Now that's my good day. Let me tell you my bad day. My bad day is when I'm stressed out and I don't have time for God and I don't want to make time for God. Can you believe your senior pastor would have that attitude sometime? Because you'd never have that attitude, would you? And I go right to the email, at which point Satan is ready. And I usually, the first email I read is somebody who doesn't like me very much or somebody who has a complaint about one of my sermons. At that point, because I haven't spent my time with God, the devil is hammering me and my mind is not where it should be. So the first thing I do is call my assistant and say, hey, do you know this person? Where do they live? 
could you make a phone call to Vinny and Rufus and ask them to make a visit? I start thinking thoughts like I'm getting out of the ministry. You know, I don't need this stuff. I go, I'll go back playing full-time golf. I don't need this kind of stuff in my life. Even though 99.9% .9 of the email is encouraging, I focus on the 0.1%. Because my mind is not ready. I feel like I'm against the wall all day. I don't respond to anybody well. I don't react to anybody well. I come in the door that night. I, I'm just, I'm exhausted. I'm selfish. I want my time. I don't go to Sion's room to read the Bible. I have no kiss for my wife. Instead, I usually got a complaint or two why the house isn't like this or why this happened. And then in a state of temptation, when I'm watching TV that night, I stayed just a little too long on a television program I should not be watching. My willingness to restructure my life greatly impacts the degree to which I'm able to kill the sin in my life every single day. You want to restructure? You want to kill the sin? You think it's going to happen incidentally? It's not. I want to give you five steps you can take quickly. Write them down in your bulletin. I got four minutes, so one step per minute. This is Today with Jeff Vines and his message, Moving Toward the Light. We're hearing how to achieve real change in our lives in order to place Christ at the centre as our primary life goal. One step per minute. Here we go. Number one, I, would, I think God would be pleased if you just started here and I don't have an acrostic because I hate them. Okay, I got that off my chest. <laughs> Number one, and you can write it how you want to write it down. Begin with the devotional reading. Buy a devotional book. There's so many of them, folks. Chuck Swindoll, Charles Stanley, Oswald Sanders, Oswald Chambers, they go on and on. Read it. That's your first step. And always they'll have scriptures to read as well. Get yourself a devotional book. Then two, sit and listen to God. Ask God to speak to your heart. Make up a series of questions that you can ask God. Am I doing well? Is my character conforming to you? Where am I lacking in my life? Number one, buy a biblical journal. Number two, or a biblical devotional. Number two, listen to God. Pray to him. Tell him everything that's on your mind. That's the prayer part. Three, journal. You got to write down what God is saying and you got to date it because you're going to need to go back to it in the future when your life stinks again and you remember what God did. Now, I'm not a journal and I fought this for years. You've got to find the way that will work for you. Let me tell you how it worked for me. I got this idea about four years ago. I thought, you know what? I don't like writing things down. It's just not me. I try to do everything up here, which is a mistake sometimes. And so I got this idea, and I think it was inspired by the Spirit of God to tell me, why don't you keep a journal but address it to your son and then give it to him on his 21st birthday? So I'm journaling every day, and I'm writing to Delaney. Dear son, God said this to me today. Now, when he's 21 years old, he's going to get to read his dad's journal and everything God said to him. Do you know how precious that's going to be to him? Find a way to journal and write it down so that you can be reminded of what God is doing. Fourth, start memorizing scripture. Little verses at a time. Because here's what happens. If you restructure your life to do that, it's going to be amazing that when you need the right word at the right time, God's going to come running through the power of his spirit and he's going to bring that passage to your mind. And then you're going to feel overwhelmed. God is involved in my life. I sense his presence. You're going, wow, God is real. And I've said it a thousand times before and I'll say it again. Most of us have lost our ability to feel God because we've lost our willingness to obey him. If you obey and restructure, he'll make his presence known. And then fifth, take a walk once a week. Take a walk. Now you remember C.S. Lewis and the screw tape letters 
the senior devil's talking to the junior devil. And the senior devil says, man, make sure we don't lose this guy. Make sure he doesn't go over to the enemy. In this case, the enemy is Jesus. Make sure we don't lose him. Keep a close tab on him. Months go by, the junior devil comes back. The senior devil says, well, do we have him? The junior devil says, no, I lost him. And the senior devil says, how? How'd you lose him? And he said, well, he did two things every day and I couldn't stop him. The first is this, he took a good walk, but not for exercise. Some of you need the exercise so it wouldn't kill you there either. (laughs) But taking a walk out in nature and listening to God, just listening is a powerful thing. And over time, he starts to meet you along the way and he starts the conversation. Second, the junior devil said he would read a good book, but not for the purpose of quoting, just for the pleasure of it. Some of you, please hear my heart on this. Now, I don't want to get legalistic, but I want to be honest. Man, you need to turn the TV off. It's an idiot box. It turns you into an idiot. You know that, right? Turn it, and some of you young people get off the computer for crying out loud. I'm not saying put an end to it completely, but if you're going to be killing sin in your life, you got to restructure. It's going to be hard. And this is where it begins. And folks, this is important. You know why? It's important because according to James 1.14, the Bible says, but each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Both of those terms are fishing terms. And what it's saying is the devil knows exactly what bait to throw out to reel you in. He knows exactly where your weakness is. Our executive pastor says he's like a bad old detective who keeps notes on you. And just at the right time when you're weak, he comes in like a flood. Or he's like a rival politician. He's got all the dirt on you. He's been watching the way you respond and he's ready to come and take you down. And if you're not renewing your mind, you're not gonna be thinking right when he comes and you will continue to fail. You will take two steps forward, three steps back, and sooner or later you will do what the devil always hopes you will. You'll feel so guilty, you'll stop your quiet time, stop your devotional time, and stop renewing your mind. Now, folks, let me end with this. You, I think most of you heard that um, a couple of weeks before I went on my little trip to see my dad, I, I, I kind of passed out in the, on Sunday night. How many, how many did you hear that? Okay, a lot of you heard, a lot of you prayed, and I appreciate that. Let me tell you the real story. Well, that is the real story. <laughs> I was preaching the sixth time uh, of the weekend, and I don't know what happened. I, I just, my brain stopped firing. I started feeling really funny. I felt like I was going to pass out or faint. And I got scared because I'm a sanguine and sanguines always jump to the worst conclusion. Most of my dad's brothers died before the age of 45 for heart attacks, which is another reason I work out and try to stay in shape so much, just to stay alive. And so I've got this fear. So I go back there and uh, they come out and sing another song and Patrick Mitchell, the college pastor, comes out and finishes my message for me because he had heard it five times. By then he knew it. And so I'm back on the couch laying down. I think I'm okay. And then I'm just feeling really bad. And then I start getting a little scared and Rachel Collins comes and she gives me some food. Well, I finally get up after about 45 minutes on the couch and I rush home. I think I'm okay now, I'm all right. My brother-in-law goes to bed, my wife and family, they're out of town. And so I'm just sitting there trying to relax and then it starts overwhelming me again. It starts coming back and I'm shaking. It's kind of like I had the flu, but I wasn't cold. I was just shivering and I, I, I couldn't explain it, but it was scaring me. And so I went to my brother-in-law and I said, hey, you need to take me, it's about two o'clock in the morning. You got, you, I think you better take me to the hospital. Something's happening to me. So he took me down to the hospital, I had to go down to Baldwin Park went in the emergency room. That was the hardest trip I've ever had to take, walking from the parking lot into the emergency room. So I'm walking in there and I think any minute I'm just going to collapse. It's just it. And I'm thinking, I'm dying here. I'm dying. And of course, they take me back 
They give me this uh, Korean nurse whose English is broken, but is a lovely lady, lovely in demeanor. And they do all the tests. They run all the tests on the heart, look at all directions. You know, I have to go in the thing and do the thing in the cup thing, which I never enjoy. Uh, but, and then they hook me up to the machine's heart monitor. After about two and a half hours of this, two and a half hours, this lovely Korean nurse whose English is broken, who meant nothing by it, came back and she said, man, you healthy. I said, what do you mean? She goes, you're healthy. Your bottom number is 68. Are you like a marathoner? And I said, <clears throat> well, <laughs> you know, like men do, right? But then it dawned on me, hold it. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I said, wait a minute. If I'm so healthy, why am I in here? Why do I feel like this way? Her response was classic. She had been told, John, I think John Brainerd and Mark uh, Oakley had been out there in the waiting room. Somebody had told her that I preached six times on the weekend. Her response, she goes, well, maybe you just need to shut up. And she didn't mean anything by it. And I looked at her like, excuse me. And she goes, you know, keep quiet. Shush. <laughs> I th well, so anyway, they sent me home and said, you're a picture of health. I got home that night, felt a little funny. Now here's, the, here's why I tell you the story. Last Saturday night. So I go away for a couple weeks, relax. Last Saturday night, I walked to this curtain here. And the same thing started happening. Can I ask you a question? Do you believe in the devil? You think it's possible he doesn't like me right now and he doesn't like our church and he doesn't like the fact that I can walk out here unhindered and just let it fly. Do you think that he would do something? Do you think that he has, I, I don't understand it all, but I can tell you this, I'm convinced that's exactly what was happening to me. He's got the goods on every one of us. He knows what frightens us. He knows how to bring us down. And if you don't restructure your life, and be about the business of communing with God and hearing and listening to God, I want to tell you, if you're not walking toward the light, you're walking toward the darkness. You may not even know it, but if you're not making progress, there's no such thing as stagnation. You're going backwards. And at the right time and the right place, he'll be waiting and he will bring you down. Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Restructure. If you're going to live in the kingdom, you got to change the way you're doing life. That's the only way you're going to make it. Father, we are grateful for the power of your word. Father, we are thankful for the way you work in our lives, for the good that happens when we come before you and allow you to mold us and shape us and conform us, that we ask you the right questions, that the power of your spirit is willing to speak to us with great aggression and great love and mercy. And Father, that you reminded us this morning that there is an evil one who would love to bring us down and who waits for us. Father, forgive us where we thought that the Christian life is a life where we just coast and go with the flow. Forgive us. Give us great insight into restructuring by renewing our mind daily that we may know then what the will of God is. That we can know what is good and what is pure and what is right. And the power of the Spirit will enable us to conform our lives to it. That's our prayer this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. This is Today with Jeff Vines, and that's the end of Moving Toward the Light. Please join us again next time for a new message from Pastor Jeff. He's saying, if you want to go in to meet the Great Shepherd, the nourisher of your soul, who will care for you and love you, the only way you're going to get to that guy, the only way you're going to get to the Great Shepherd is through me. I am the gate. I am the door. Folks, those aren't vague sayings. They're pretty much crystal clear, and people wanted to kill him because of it, and still today, people want to silence Jesus and the Christians. I
today with Jeff Vines. Just another way vision is connecting faith to your life. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.